Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. down because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome students to a special study edition of the Star Seminar. You all decided not to take your fall break and instead decided to come here to this special study session and stay on campus with yours truly, Dr. Rabble Rouser, and my partner in advanced footballology of the Cowboys Persuasion. As always, it is Dr. Danny Phantom. Dr. Phantom, how are you today? And how are you during this bye week? You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm about ready for my real life bye because it's been really busy. And I must say that the craziness just keeps coming, but I, I will say I am very grateful that I have a job that allows me some flexibility. Like, for example, having a late Monday night game and trying to get some Cowboys coverage in there, just having a, like Tuesday, I was able to just kind of, you know, focus in on Cowboy stuff and look at some film and everything. And, and it's just, you know, I don't take those things for granted. So, uh, you know, I just, I was thinking back to like, all the terrible jobs I've had in my lifetime. And it's like, you know, and just, so you, you really come and you appreciate, you know, you know what you have. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, Rabs, like, can you tell, like, what is like the worst job that you've ever had? Well, there was a while there when I was like in my, you know, my teens before I got, before I even got like a, a job at like a restaurant, you know, being a cook or, or you know, a busboy or something. I, um, I was working for like a temporary job service and there would be something where I, you know, I'd work a couple of days here, work a couple of days there. I was on, and there was one where I was working um, for a couple of days with some company. I don't remember the name of the company um, where they had to like relocate their office. So we were taking all this office furniture and putting it on the back of a van and then moving it to the new office. And it was, it was hot. And the guys I was working with were, were, were jerks and it, it was bad. Um, I will tell you I'm actually going to share a story. This is not my worst job ever, but I think it's an amazing story. So when I was working in a restaurant, I ended up working for a summer, this glorious summer, this hilarious, hilarious British guy named Nigel. He wanted to become a Bobby, actually, a a London policeman. Uh, But he's a hilarious guy. He came out. We had this great, great summer. But he was telling me, like, he got this job immediately before that he had a job for one day at, at, at uh, a Chinese restaurant in the local, like big shopping mall. 
And it was a Chinese restaurant run by a family. The guy who ran it was like yelling at everybody all the time. He was only there for a day. And it was like a job as a dishwasher. And he was like washing all these like greasy plates from of of Chinese food. And the guy's yelling at him and he, you know, he's trying to hustle. And it it was all, it was all like, you know, dirty back there and crowded. And and, and it was just, it was just miserable. It was hot and steamy. And he was like, I came to America for the summer for this. Like it was like, it was like after like the, you know, he had like graduated from college and was like taking a summer of, you know, of fun. I think he had relatives in San Diego. So anyway, he tells me at the end of the day, one of his jobs is to like, is, is to like swap out the grease in the fryer. Ooh, yeah. So he's swapping out the grease in the fryer, putting it in this gigantic bucket where it's hot and you have to put it on like, you know, those, those, those little like four, four wheel roller things that they use for moving and stuff like that to like, to like slide it over to where it needed to be, to be. Um, dumped out and he's moving it along and one of the wheels gets like caught in like a rock or part of a nut shell or something and the whole thing tips out Oh no! and there's grease it's like blah 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 and you can't like pick it back up because it's hot and yeah, it's, it's yeah. cumbersome and you, you know and, and and then you know you're gonna step in it and so <laughs> there's grease from the fryer like all over the floor the owner as luck would have it comes back here sees this goes ballistic starts screaming at him in chinese and telling him, well, you know, what, 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 what a, you know, what an idiot he is, or whatever, and um, and then and then goes back to the front of house, or and, and he and he sort of looks at the situation, or tells me that he looks at the sur- the situation, and kind of surveys it, and just says, you know what, f this, and just walks out with the grease all over the floor. Oh my goodness! And it's <laughs> just, uh, you know what. The mo- I mean, it was like that was when minimum wage was like three twenty five an hour. He'd probably worked a five hour shift. He was like. I would gladly pay $20 not to have to clean this up. So it's, it's a win-win for me. I'm out of here. That's terrible. Poor, and, and poor, Nigel. poor Nigel. Yeah, poor Nigel. Poor Nigel. So yeah. anyway, so that, that's always stands to me as like, as like, a, you know, the, the sort of shining beacon of just, just an awful, you know, an awful work experience. Yeah. I, I've been fortunate enough to where I haven't had too many terrible jobs, but I do remember one that it was like right before I started college, I was trying to work to, to save money and I was, scrambling to find find a job and i took this job and i actually sold vacuums the kirby vacuum oh man i've had jobs like that oh, oh I, my God. oh they're now, terrible i'll tell you I, I am not a salesman for starters so there's that and i'm just this young 18 year old kid and stuff but you know these people the, the the management they would send you you know it's all about numbers you know that they just send you enough places eventually you'll catch somebody but they would just send me to just terrible places i remember one time i got sent out to this one place wasn't the best part of town. Um, this poor lady did, didn't speak English, so this was going to be a challenge. And there was no carpet on the floor. It was like hardwood floors. It's like, what are you doing? What are you sending me to? I mean, this is just uh, this. This would probably be the, one of the most expensive pieces of equipment that you know this family would own. It was just miserable. I mean, just I obviously that did not last. And uh, mm. but I, um, yeah, I was just I don't know. I just there's there's some real terrible jobs out there and um but you know fortunately um able to have a good job and uh, singing a different tune now um but speaking yeah. of si- singing a different tune rabs why don't you uh fill in our listeners on what we got going on for today well uh we have a very interesting bi-week conversation and i'm going to lead into this by putting on my best dj voice are you ready oh yeah i'm ready 
Hey, coming live to you from, from the, the racks and stacks. It's the best on the wax. How about another double golden oldie twin spin sound sandwich from DJ Rabble Rabble and Danny Finn? Fantastic, as it's time for the sweet, sweet sounds of a bi-week breakdown breakdown. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do, my friend. Uh, we are going to uh, take turns with Cowboys questions, each of which is going to be framed by a song of our choosing. Okay. All right, so I'm basically going to say, here's the song, here's the topic, and then it'll give you a platform to weigh in on sort of where the Cowboys are at this particular juncture in the season. However, before we do that, I do want to talk about the juncture in the season. Here we are, six games in. You know, you and I, in the last couple of weeks, and in particular, have been doing uh, a lot of kind of state of the Cowboys conversations. And it just gets me wondering, how, how, when's the last time after about six games of the year that we were quote-unquote right? And right, I understand that's something that can be interpreted differently, but when's the last time we were right about this team after this first six games? I guess what I'm wondering is, is it a fool's errand? to do these kind of state of the Cowboys conversations or are there things where like, you know what, if we're really paying attention, we're being honest, these are the issues that plague the team uh, but or, or that, you know, make the team great or whatever. And those are going to be things that continue for the rest of the year. Like how accurate a picture do we get after six games? Uh, I think that's a great question. And it, it kind of you know, stops to remind us that, you know, we're only six games in. And the way I look at things is, you know, you, every game is another piece of data. And so the more you have, the more data you have. The, and, the, and the better I feel about where the team is. Um, but it's still only six games. And, I mean, if you, mm -hmm. you know, to answer your question, I don't know when the last time I was right. I, I mean, I feel like I have we have been in situations where – you know, just a couple last year, a couple years ago, uh, I felt really good about where the team's at. And, you know, the team still did okay. And I don't know if that constitutes as being right or not. But I've had other times, too. I think if you look back in the 2017 season, I think that we were probably still really good at, at around the week six part. But then soon thereafter, we had that three-game skid, not even losing. We were just, like, got smoked good and then – and you know, none of us felt great then. So that's right. It's really hard. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, to be quite honest, I don't know that when is the last time I was right after six games. But I will say this, Raps. For a four and two team, this is probably the least excited I have felt about a squad with this type of record because I do feel like there's limitations. And it's just six games. Things could change, but that's where I'm at right now. So I, I guess I feel less excited this season than I had for, you know, last year and the year before where I really thought that, you know, this team, it's got a, ch it's got a shot. Uh, what mm -hmm. about you? I think I was look I was looking after, after I thought of this question, I was looking at like, uh, Cowboys franchise encyclopedia on pro football reference. And I, I think the last time I, I, I could say after six games, because we remember in this, in this particular year, the sixth game was a real, a real kind of 
landmark game, and that's the 2014 season. The sixth game was the one where they went to Seattle and beat the reigning Ooh. champion Seahawks. And I think after that game, we were like, okay, okay. Right. Yeah, you know what? This this is a winning formula. They they went in and bullied them. Their offensive line was dominant, and they, and, and they took over the fourth quarter. And I was like, oh, okay. And that proved to be accurate. I'll, I'll have to say, though, when you look at – when you look at their record year by year after six games, it's very rare. It's very rare that they then turn it around or fell way off. So, you know, typically the record after the first six games is pretty indicative of what happens the rest of the season. You know, during those Jason Garrett eight and eight years, they were three and three every single year in those three years after six games. Um, you know, I think the one the one exception might be 2018 where they started really slowly and then the Mar Mari Cooper trade happened after the trade deadline and they start to pick up steam and they won several games in a row. But that's really the the one where I think that there was the biggest discrepancy between like where they were after six games and right. you know where they ended up after game 12 or something like that. Um, I think there have been a couple other seasons where you know they looked really good after six games and fell off a little bit last couple of years maybe even and that might be one one of the reasons why we're feeling a little bit less excited about where they are right now at four and two is that recent history and our own you know our own sort of emotional response to those seasons not being as exciting as they look like they might be when they were five and one after six games or something like that in 2021 right um it, but but i i guess i guess the takeaway here as always is that on some level it's it is a good predictor um, but on another level, like as you said earlier, it's a week-to-week -week league. We, we, as fans, I mean, one of the reasons why the NFL is so popular is, you know, a win is so big in terms of the overall picture, and a loss is so big in terms of the overall picture, and we way overreact to both, mm -hmm. right? We way overreacted to the the loss to San Francisco, and we way overreacted to wins that we had they had earlier in the year, and um, and it's and the answer as always is somewhere in the middle, right? So let's let's try to let's try to kind of break that down and with, with our with our um, musical selections here. Um, so the the phone lines are open. Uh, we're gonna you know uh, our our DJ is gonna be uh, allowing the viewers to call in and uh, and make some requests. And hold on a second, I'm hearing, I'm listening. Oh, look, it just came up on the screen. Our first request, someone has requested Jackson Brown's "Running on Empty." Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> uh, which I think is about the running game. So, yeah, so my question is, uh, it's, it's entitled Running on Empty, and it's about the running game. Where did it go? Uh, so, uh, speaking of the way that seasons have changed, I think the last couple of years, one of the one of the real key changes has been that about midseason, about this time, they really seem to have found their stride in the running game. Six games, at, the sixth, sixth game of the twenty. 21 season was the win at new england if you remember they, they had like 400 yards of offense they ran for a buck 25 buck 50 something like that and they passed for another 300 they, they, it was incredible um but the last couple of years the, the the running game has kind of tailed off at the end of the year to the point where last year was really really bad they couldn't they couldn't run the ball at all at the end of the year and I think we've been attributing that to the, uh, you know, sort of injuries along the offensive line at the ends of years and things like that and, and Zeke getting beat up, but neither of those things are really in place right now. And they have not been running the ball well at all. So what the heck is going on? Yeah, that is a great question that I wish I, that I had the answer to. And uh, I think there are 
several things when you when you look at the, the Cowboys um, the, the film and, and see how they're running the ball I think that you know one of the things is I just don't think that their offensive line is good enough to be a strong run blocking team and it's weird to say that uh, and, and I will like put a little asterisk here because maybe the, maybe it's not good enough maybe it's healthy enough is this really the thing? Because I know some of these guys are are ailing. I mean, we we know that. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, mm-hmm. I mean, they're back in, but they're really, you know. I think especially Biotish and Martin seem like they're exactly. basically playing with one one leg. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and you know, and you're you know, you're seeing like Ty, Tyron will kind of get pushed around a little bit, and it's not like they're necessarily being overpowered, but they're certainly not overpowering, and they're letting guys disengage and they're they're, letting they're not guys, sustaining blocks they're not sustaining blocks and their guys and defenders are filling filling gaps and there's just not a lot of places for their guys to go i mean i think tony pollard and rico dowdle i don't really have anything negative to say about either of those guys i think that they're they're fine i will say this mm-hmm. i was shocked when i saw asante samuel jr run down tony pollard i don't know if pollard just didn't even have any sense about where anybody was around him or what but uh mm-hmm. it certainly brings in the question you know is tony pollard lost some of that juice and we talked about this i mean we saw the workload he was getting early and now if you look at um his yards per carry it's gone down in in each of the last you know three games it's just you know it's almost like it's like the same numbers we were posting with zeke and his decline and i mean mm-hmm. we we know the science behind running backs i mean it takes a toll and it starts to wear on you. So I think there's part of it. I think the offensive line is part of it. I also think the biggest thing, Rabs, to me is I feel like teams are just kind of sitting on our passing game to where they just really don't have any sort of fear, any sense that the Cowboys are going to attack them downfield. And I think because when I'm like looking at the tape, I'm seeing a lot of guys lingering. I'm seeing, I mean, the the Chargers had a lot of guys coming, you know, out, out, through those lanes, and so I just feel like. And if you look how San, San Francisco was orientated to, I just think that the lack of respect for the, what the Cowboys are doing in the passing game just contributes to that as well. And it's kind of just allowing teams to be able to shut us down. And mm-hmm. I think those are the biggest ones for me. Yeah, I, and I think that I, I agree, and I, I want to respond but i think i want to respond uh during a conversation for one one of the later songs that i also want to nominate for our uh playlist for this evening so i tell you what why don't i turn it over to you tell me what's coming on your request line and then we'll get back to this conversation in just a bit all right so let's just change the dial here so this one is about the cowboys never ending Addiction to Committing Penalties. And the song is by Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again. I got a false start. Got lost in the game. Oh, baby, baby. Don't know. Rabs, check this out. The Cowboys, they lead the league in penalties this season. They were third last year. And they were first the year before that. I mean, that is just terrible. You know, people will talk about you know, well, we had some flag happy refs in this one. And sure, you can point to that Chargers game. There was a lot of laundry on the ground 
absolutely. Mm-hmm. But when you are continuously like in the top three and then two of those years, like leading it, you got some problems. I mean, and let's face it, you know, they got 12 men on the field. This like was, this happened more than once, you know, they were burning timeouts because, you know, you know, to prevent penalties from happening. They, they just, they just weren't prepared. I mean, and they, uh, they even had to cancel their, their motion, you know, because they were getting pre-snap penalties. I mean, it's like, complete, right. what, what a, what a terrible thing to have to do to basically, you know, shut down your offense in that manner. And, and because you, you guys are just so undisciplined. And I mean, look at this too, that the Cowboys have 11 offside penalties this year. I mean, I, I couldn't name this segment, you know, jump from Van Halen because these guys, <laughs> I mean, they might as well jump. I mean, they're just, what, what is going on? I mean, is that reasonable to you? So refs, this level of unpreparedness is just totally unacceptable. What What's going on? It's funny because the larger context here for me is that, you know, we, you and I have talked about it a lot, right? Where the first month of the season in particular is the preseason. And this is really the first month of the season now that they've had a chance to get a little bit conditioned. But the, I think the lack of off-season program, which has been instituted by the most recent collective bargaining agreement, means, and I, I don't think anybody's going to argue this, it means that the, the quality of the play in general is sloppier. And this is happening at the same time that the NFL owners, in an effort to pretend that they care about player safety, which they don't really care about, but as a, as a way to avoid litigation, they want to pretend and publicly declare they care about player safety, are asking their referees to call the game really close. But what that means then is you actually have a sloppier product where teams across the league are less prepared, and you have a referees who have been given a mandate by the owners to call the game tighter. And what that means then is that there are just more penalties in all games. But I think that the thing about that is you'd expect then that there would be a sort of even distribution or the Cowboys, um, if it wasn't something specific to this team, that there'd be some kind of, you know, regression to the mean or whatever you want to call it from year to year. That hasn't been the case. I think, you know, at some point, um, a statistical anomaly becomes a trend. I think it's been going on long enough that we can say it's a trend. And so what's the trend? The trend is a couple of different things. So why do teams get penalized? Okay, they're stupid, they're sloppy, or they're less talented. Right? You get, I think you get, you, you get different kinds of penalties at different times. So I think you get penalties during plays, oftentimes when you're less talented. If you're less talented as a defensive back, you have to grab. If you're less um, prepared as a defensive back, sometimes you have to grab. If you're less talented as an offensive lineman, you're more likely to hold. Etc. Right. So I think that if we look at those penalties, we're seeing some of those. Certainly, we're not seeing as many. We're seeing a, a an inordinate number of pre-snap penalties, motion penalties, 10, 10 12 men on, on the field type penalties, pre-snap penalties in general, and that's really just the measure of an un, unprepared, sloppy, dumb team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, that's how I see it too. And I just I'm trying to look at some you know positive way to where you know what's going on and like what what can what can they do to correct it and you know i know we we do have new players and new new roles and, and there's a lot of that going on and uh, you know some of these things that's happened it's it's that's kind of been sprung upon them i i get that part of it um but it's just like you said there's at some point you know this anomaly becomes a trend and i think that it's we're at we're at it and it's really aggravating and some of the the silly ones too is just i'm just done with it it's like it's, just enough already. And so I just want this, I want that song to be over. 
Yeah, that, that song's becoming tiresome. I mean, uh, there are certain songs when they're in heavy rotation, you're like, this song rocks. I don't care how many times I listen to it. This song rocks. This is not one of those no, songs, my friend. Not one of those songs. Um, Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I'm afraid the next one's not going to be either. Uh, so, you know, the the hype going into this game, of course, was that it was going to be, uh, you know, Mike McCarthy versus Kellen Moore, offensive play calling and offensive coordination versus previous, you know, uh, playing calling and coordination. So this question is ostensibly about play calling and therefore calling in general and therefore um, the, uh, oh, hold on a second. Let's. Let's adjust the dial. And here we go. It is about play calling. And um, what I want to do then in, in, in thinking about that, the notion of the call is to uh, request that uh, we listen to Wrong Number by The Cure. <laughs> so uh, here's the thing. I don't think anything was definitively answered on Monday in terms of which play caller was better. In fact, friend of the podcast, Landon McCool at one point tweeted out earlier in the week uh, after watching both. I, I think the, I think the best answer is option three, which is right? weird. So Cause Landon, I think has been pretty, I thought he's a pretty good, you know, Kellen's a good play caller sort of guy. So I was surprised by I, that. I, I, th- I think, I think, the, I think he likes a lot of the elements of the, of the Kellen Moore offense, but I think there's also things about the Kellen Moore offense that are the reason why he's no longer in Dallas that I think Landon recognizes are, are problematic. Um, so we can talk about play calling, but I, I, in some ways it's, it's even less about play calling. It's more just about what the heck is going on with the offense. And, um, it feels like there's several different factors. And I would love to just hear you opine on, on any of these. So there's, it feels like there's a couple different things happening. And I think they're, they're all 
intertwined and we talked about them at the end of last year and probably at the end of the previous year as well. But so this is all familiar territory. Is it about, as we talked about earlier, poor offensive line play? Do you think to some degree the coaching staff and the quarterback are so petrified by the number of interceptions that happened last year that they are, rather than taking chances, um, calling plays to avoid that? I think McCarthy's been pretty clear. If we don't turn the ball over, given our defense and and its propensity to get turnovers, we're going to be plus. We're going to be in the positive in terms of turnover margin, and we are therefore going to have a really strong chance to win. It feels like his offensive philosophy might be, as long as the, as long as we don't turn it over, we're going to be fine. You know, we have a chance to win, which is a weird way to to, to think about like, you know, calling plays. Um, is it a lack of trust in the quarterback, uh, or is it something else? Like, what, what, what's your thinking about just like this offensive malaise, which? you know, was excused in those early, those early wins. But I think in the last couple of weeks, we've seen a lot more of, of who they truly are and the struggles they're actually going to be having. Yeah, I think I, well, first off, I think it's all, all those things. I mean, I think you can, you really can't, you know, make any of those things exempt. Um, they all play a role into, into the, the office's performance too. But the, the question becomes, what's it more of and what, How's it? Yes. How's it fixed? And and that's where to me it, it, this it just falls on McCarthy and the plays that he's designing and 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 his approach too. It's not just the plays themselves, but just his approach. And you and you mentioned it, and and it's it makes me cringe when I hear it that he's it's it's just like like he's almost turned into some type of settler. Like he's just this offense. We're gonna just do this. And then we're going to, you know, rely on the defense to do the rest. And, and to me, it's just, it just makes us a very ineffective offense. And I'm watching, I'm watching this offense and I'm wondering, of course, in the Chargers game is a good example of, even though there were some really good downfield shots that were taken. And of course you would hope there would be against a a pass defense this terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there was, but even still, the offense was not churning like I was expecting it to. And a lot of the plays, the success that the Cowboys had were from broken plays, from, from Dak improvising. and Almost every time. Almost yep. every time. And and to me, you know, you can look at that and say, yay, 20 points, we got it done. You know, or you can look at it and say, is this what our offense had become? Is De- is Prescott going to have to put on his cape? And Because and, yep. you know what? Dak can't do that all the time and, and then not every week yeah, no no and we they shouldn't be asked to and because then we're going to get back to where we were where Dak asked him to play hero ball and when he doesn't the the cowboys lose the media comes crashing down on him and then this and this is our reality we, it cannot be like that he has to help his quarterback out there's a lot of things that do need to happen they need to block better they need to get healthy and they need to figure some things out i don't think that their blocking schemes are very imaginative. Um, I think that a, a lot of the plays even are just very, very bland. And I don't think he's using uh, his weapons like he should. And I don't know if McCarthy is just kind of stuck in the past, uh, but it just does not seem like it's evolved to where that he can beat, you know, the young defenses that's uh, the coordinators out there right now. And it, and it's disturbing mm-hmm. to me. So yeah, I, I, I'm very, very down on this. And, um, but I think, we're going to let's uh, change the dial. 
sit and the characters went home. For this next one, you know, I'd like to dedicate this song to my good pal, Mike McCarthy. And I, I hope he is sitting in a dark room somewhere reading his advanced analytics books because you know he loves the numbers and listening to this little ditty by Alana Morissette that goes a little something like this. And I'm here to remind you of the mess you made when you started calling plays. It's not fair to deny us the points we lost when Kellen went away and you, you, you ought to know. Yeah, okay, so I'm sorry for that, but uh, yeah, Alanis Morissette, you ought to know, and I chose that because Mike McCarthy ought to know how to coach an NFL football team, but he does not. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because we've already talked about it, but, you know, I just got to say that, you know, when all these things, you know, they come together, there are, there are serious issues. We talked about the play calling is ordinary, um, you know, younger defensive coordinators are shutting him down. The Cowboys offense is averaging five yards per play right now. That is the worst that it's been since 2005. Just to put some perspective there, this is worse than when Tony Romo went down and when Dak Prescott went down. This is really bad. This is back in the dark ages, and this is where our offense is at. And so it's not just play calling, too. It's just his overall approach. He's you know, you kind of touched on it already. He's kind of a live to fight another day coach. You know, I think he always believes that they'll get him next time. You know, there's no sense of urgency with this team. And I think it all kind of, you know, epitomized in that cowardness of that decision that he had at the end of the first half, which is just, to me, just, I don't even have words, but it's like, you know, you, 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 you do something like that and, and you're, you're squandering opportunities. You have to take advantage of those opportunities. You can say, yeah, you know what? I feel like we're going to, there's a whole half to play. We're going to be fine. But no, you have to take advantage of those opportunities. And I already mentioned the penalty thing. And, you know, if it was just one of these elements or another, that's one thing. But it's all of these things. Rabs, when is Mike McCarthy getting fired? I don't know, dude. I mean, I think that, he's, I think things are going to have to go to get to Wade Phillips level. Uh, in terms of like the team, the, him losing the locker room before something like that would happen, because he's he's won twelve games twice in a row. I mean, I, you know, I, I, if he gets if he wins ten, it's going to be tough for them to fire him, man. It's going to be really tough for them to fire him unless unless things just absolutely fall apart. Um, you know, thinking about the decision at the end of the half against the Chargers, it reminded me an awful lot of a very similar situation when the Cowboys went to Arizona and played the Cardinals in like the second or third, first, one of those early, early uh, sort of eight and eight seasons that Jason Garrett was the coach. And it was the icing his kicker game. If you remember that one. And uh, basically they got a first down, they got into the field goal range. And then basically uh, he just stopped trying to, to move the ball. And at the time I said, I know nobody likes this, but this is the behavior of a coach who rightly doesn't trust his offensive line not to screw up and either give up a sack or get a hold and therefore move them out of field goal range. And I felt that McCarthy was doing the exact same thing. So that, you know, the earlier when I said, like, what's going on with the offensive line, I feel like he's calling, he's calling a game and his whole philosophy to the, to the game is how do we manage an overmatched offensive line? We rely on our defense and, and we, we, uh, you know, we run, we run 
small, small chunk plays that, that aren't going to expose our quarterback to, to big negatives. Right? So the idea is if you have a big negative play, the series is over. It's really hard to overcome a big negative play, a hold, uh, a sack, et cetera. So you avoid those. And so what kind of plays do you call to avoid those? You call short passes, you call runs, you know, you call all kinds of, uh, all kinds of, and then once you get in the field goal range, you play it extremely safe because the alternative is you, you, you get sacked and you're out of field goal range, you get nothing. And so listen, I know, I know we don't like it, but Everyone says you should go for it. You should go for it. But then, what happens if you go for it and Dak gets and Dak gets uh, you know gets sacked and fumbles so, or or you know yeah then so what that then you know that's that's the result. But uh, but so I guess I guess the thing about that is that then we'd be we'd be yelling at him for something different. Mm-hmm. I mean I I think if you look at McCarthy and you look at Garrett, they're very similar in that they both are actually very aggressive when they trust their offensive line. Like Garrett had several years where he was like 2014 to 16. He was a very aggressive coach, went for it a lot, um, really trusted his team. I think that McCarthy did the same thing earlier in his career. He, he trusted his team more. I, I think right now he doesn't trust his offensive line not to screw things up. And, and I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily blame him in a close game. You can't afford to take that sack and lose three points. You just can't afford to. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know they wouldn't have pulled that with, with Aaron Rodgers If he was quarterback, Rodgers would have went nuts if he had a shot to, to uh, you know, get get in the end zone, and they decided just to lay up safe. Well, I mean, may, maybe when you have Aaron Rodgers, you 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 do that, but they don't have Aaron Rodgers. They've got a guy who's good, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You know, he doesn't he doesn't have the release, doesn't have, and so this goes back to maybe him not trusting the quarterback not to screw up if if he's under pressure. Yeah. But but the reality is, if he trusted the offensive line, um, he would call he would call plays that gave his quarterback a chance. He doesn't, but I don't necessarily blame him for that. I understand. Like, what? You gotta, you gotta eke out victories. You know, that's the name of the game. You eke out victories, and you try to get your team better by while you're not losing. And a close game on the road, and you gotta come out with the points. Well, you have a different disposition that I have when it comes to looking at that because, um, yeah, it's I don't have that same feeling. But anyway, I know we gotta ch- change the dial. Raps. What's the last song you got for us? Uh, we're gonna tune it. We're gonna turn it to classic rock station. And we're gonna bring back something from the late '70s, early '80s, and this one's gonna be oh, oh, what is this? Oh, this is "Miss You" by the Rolling Stones. Uh, quick question, just a real quick question. Uh, talking about the offensive malaise, thinking about a couple guys who left in the off season. Who do you think Dak misses more? This is Dak. Zeke Elliott or Dalton Schultz? Oh, I think it's Schultz easy. Yeah. Why? Yeah, well, I think that, well, first off, like if you start to look at, you know, bring one of these guys back and envision what it's going to be, um, I don't think we gain a whole lot with with Elliott. Um, I don't think there's the same problems we're having now does not change much with Ezekiel Elliott in the back. In fact, I mean, I don't even know if it's even better. Um uh, with, with Schultz here is, I mean, Schultz was one of Prescott's top safety nets, you know, his, mm-hmm. and, uh, in this, in this type of offense, I think, like, if I knew that this is what our offense is going to be, I would be, you know, advocating to bring Schultz back. Um, even though talent wise, you know, he's not anything special athletically, but, you know, he does fit. Um, the, this nice, you know, security blanket for Prescott and, and he would fit in this type of offense extremely well. So I think 
I think that's what we miss. And that's not to say that, you know, Ferguson and, you know, and the, the other guys aren't good players, but mm-hmm. they're not Dalton Schultz. And I mean, they're, and Dalton, I mean, I think they can get there, but they're certainly, it's not, you can clearly tell they're, they're different. They're just not the same part of the offense. So to me, yeah, I, I say my answer is Dalton Schultz. Easy. I, I, I guess what, uh, let me just counter one quick thing. I agree with you. I think they miss Schultz more. But part of me also wonders if if that's actually the biggest difference between McCarthy and and Kellen Moore is that Kellen Moore really relies on the tight end. He likes multiple tight end formations. He like put, he likes putting multiple tight ends out into the pass routes at different levels and um, you know exploiting mismatches with with smaller safeties, et cetera, and or and or slower linebackers with his tight ends. He likes putting he likes driving t- tight ends up the seam, and we haven't seen much of that. We saw a lot of big plays from the tight ends the last couple of years, and I think that part of that is that they lost Schultz, but we also saw plays with with Fergie and Hendershot last year, you know, and um, and Blake Jarwin in previous years. So part of me wonders if it's it's not so much Schultz as the uh, as this offense and this offensive philosophy just doesn't rely on the tight end as much as a weapon. In which case, then I think it really begs the question. What the heck were they doing drafting a tight end in the second round? Yeah. And with that, I will I will withdraw. And I think it's time for the sixth of our delicious six pack of rockin' tunes. What do you got for us, my friend? So before I tell you my song, I just want to list some names for you, okay? So check it. So Micah Parsons, CeeDee Lamb, Trayvon Diggs, Osa Odigizur, Tyler Smith, Tyler Biotish. All these guys are significant contributors to this football team would you agree yes and that does not even include guys like jake ferguson sam williams damone clark john z golston neville neville gallimore but this next song is about the cowboys player personnel department and their ability to drop players it's entitled every rose has its thorn by poison because I tell you what, it looks like the 2023 draft class might be a thorn. My, so my question for you, Ravs, what is going on with this current year's draft class? Uh, I, I I think it's too early to label them a thorn. I think that there's some athletic developmental guys. I think that this that this uh, scouting department has absolutely earned the benefit of the doubt, and I think that they've they've. I think one of the differences is they drafted, especially at the top of the draft, the first two rounds, guys at slow developing positions. It's really hard for a young defensive tackle and a young tight end who played the the, the game in college to come in and match the physicality that's demanded of them at the pro level. Historically, those are positions that take a couple, three years to develop. We saw Dalton Schultz. took him a couple years. He began to emerge at the end of his second year. And I said, so I think we have to give those guys the benefit of the doubt. I think this might be a completely different conversation if DeMarvion Overshone hadn't got injured because right. he'd, be, he'd be starting and making plays all the time. I feel like they did a really nice job getting a couple of really good, valuable depth pieces who haven't had a chance to play, but partially it's because they haven't needed to because they're really deep at, at corner and at, and at wide receiver. I think the real question here is – that we have to come back to a question we asked way, way, way back before OTAs and everything, which was, does Deuce, does Deuce Vaughn have 
both size and athleticism limitations that are going to prevent him from succeeding in the NFL. And I think that preseason, we were like, okay, no, I think this kid can, can do it. But the reality is I'm not seeing, I, I, I don't know that he, I don't know that he can do it. I, I, I really don't. I don't, I don't think he's, he's not Darren Sproles. He doesn't have elite quickness. He doesn't have elite explosion. And, and He's so exploitable every time he comes in. If, if I, if, if whoever's covering him just has to rush, and they've got a huge mismatch, they take him out. They take him out of the pass play, and um, and force him to do the thing he does not do well, which is to pass protect. I, I honestly, am worried about his pro future. I think he might not be on the team at the end of the season. Yeah, well, I, I, I've always agreed with you on that, and on you know it's. But I think for me, when I look at this, I talk, and I agree with you too. It's it's way too early to be having any type of meaningful opinions about any of these players. And I will also say too, I think it is also partly a, a testament to just the strength of the Cowboys roster in general. Because yes, yes, it's not necessarily because certain players just aren't good. I mean, like uh, you know, Asim Richards looked really good in what we saw of him in preseason stuff. So it's not like he's I'm disappointed where, where he's at. And, uh, and, but I will say at the same time, it's like you look at players like Junior Fihoko and just, uh, other guys that just like, you know, have completely, you know, and like Schoonmaker, I expected mm-hmm. to, I, I figured it was going to be slow, but I expected to have a little bit more involvement. And, um, and I don't, I mean, Mozzie's, he's, I mean, he's the one contributor of this group and he's, he's playing, but he's in a mixture of, the Cowboys got like four defensive tackles that are all playing. So he's not ha- going to have one of those Tyler Smith type of impacts first seasons. And he's not flashing. I mean, I think that's the key. He's not, like if he was, if he was playing 20, 20 snaps a game and trying to acclimate, but like you, you got two of those every, every, every game where you're like, Ooh, okay. I see it. Then I think that then I think we just, we, we could, we could see where the, where the upside could take him. We're not really getting that. We're getting a lot of plays where he, I mean, you know, every once in a while, but we're seeing a lot of plays where he gets double teamed and washed and he's off balance. And yeah, so I think that, I think that it's a, it's a legitimate question. I mean, the, 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 those, those dudes have to prove us wrong, right? Right. Because right now, I think all the things we've said are absolutely right. It's, it, it, these are slow developing positions. It's a really, really deep team. They haven't needed any of them to play. Yeah. But. It's, it's just sort of this is sort of like talking about how the Cowboys offense was wasn't asked to do a lot during those those early wins when the defense basically won the game by itself. Yeah. But we're also not seeing the offense making big play, you know, so I think it's one of those gotcha. things where yeah. we're, we're not seeing the alternative. We don't need them to do this, but we're not seeing the alternative. So there's reason for concern. I do think. Yeah. And I do think it's a little bit um, surprising that there hasn't been at least one guy from this group that's kind of like, you know, you know, mm-hmm. we got, you know, we got one it's because the Cowboys have just, and has such a strong history of, of landing good players too. And, and it definitely do. I have all the faith in the world with Will McClay, but it just, this draft class is, you know, it's Cowboys, they can miss like anyone. So this could, Smart. this could, this could definitely be one of those groups that just, we look back in a couple of years and like, no, that was a, just an awful draft. So very possible, um, possibility. But anyway, that is all the songs we have. And that is, that is it for our show today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Logging the Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you'd like to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. 
And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, you know, things you're looking for in this, you know, throughout the season, or, you know, what is your worst job ever? You know, let us know. You can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay happy. Stay true to the silver and blue. And we will catch you later. DJ Rebel Rebel signing off.